Our Father. Our Father. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Well, amen. There's uh, some of our people reading that scripture that we've been learning together in Matthew chapter 6. I want to invite you to turn over in your Bible to Matthew 6. And we're going to study out of the Lord's Prayer tonight. We're going to be studying verses uh, 10 and 11. I know that many of us are just getting started with our walk with the Lord. And uh, for, for others of us who maybe have been walking with the Lord just a little bit longer, we feel like we're just getting started, right? So uh, tonight, you know, I think sometimes we wonder, where do I start? I'm sure there's so many things that God has wanted to do in my life, and I'm so behind. I've got so much catching up to do. Where do I begin? You ever thought about that before? Where, where does God want me to start? There, there are many things that we could mention, and, and that's really kind of the rest of our lives, isn't it? Getting together, studying God's Word, challenging and encouraging one another. But as I read God's Word and as I talk to other people that seem to have a close walk with the Lord, God seems to draw the first and the primary attention in our spiritual walk to prayer. In fact, one of the greatest writers on prayer, maybe you've read some of his books if you haven't, a man of a couple of hundred years ago, his name was Ian e. Bounds. And Ian e. Bounds once said this, now he was specifically speaking about pastors, about uh, people who are in full-time pastoral ministry, and he's emphasizing the importance of prayer in their lives for sure, but I think the point is well taken for all of us. He says this, he says, God's true preachers have been distinguished by one great feature. In other words, of the godly people that God has been able to use most as his servants, there is one similar characteristic in all their lives. He says they were men of prayer. Differing often in many things, they often had this common center. They may have started from different points, they may have traveled by different roads, but they converged at this one point. They were one in prayer. God was to them the center of attraction, and prayer was the path that led to God. These men prayed not occasionally, not a little at regular or at odd times, but they prayed so that their prayers entered into and shaped their characters. They so prayed as to affect their own lives and the lives of others. They so prayed as to make the history of the church. And they so prayed as to influence the current of their times. They spent much time in prayer because it was to them so momentous and engaging a business that they could scarcely go without it. Now listen to what he says. He says, it may be put down as a spiritual axiom. Okay, what does that mean? It's a rule, isn't it? It may be put down as a spiritual rule that in every truly successful ministry, prayer is an evident and controlling force. In other words, if we're going to summarize what the great writer on prayer, Ian Bounds, was saying, he said, listen, 
If you're going to be serious about following Jesus Christ, a great place to start would be with your prayer life. Now, in our study of Matthew chapter 6, we're talking about what many Christians have labeled as the Lord's Prayer. And so far, we've learned about five or six things that we've talked about that Jesus taught us that we can pull principles that we can pull out of this passage. We started back in verse 5. We said that Jesus challenges us. Uh, when we look at it, he says, when you pray, and we begin to think about, well, what, what does God's word say about how often should we pray? We said well, we, we should pray regularly. The Bible even says we should pray constantly. We should pray without ceasing. Then we learned in the second part of the verse, he says that we should not be pretenders when we pray. Jesus challenges us to pray sincerely. That we really mean it. It's from our heart. Then in verse 6, he said that uh, he wanted us to go to a private place. He wanted us to, to pray privately. He wanted it to be something special where he and we get alone every day on our own and talk with one another. Then we learned in verse 7 and 8 last week, Jesus wanted us to pray with confidence. He says, listen, we don't have to be like the, the religions of the world that are just repeating a bunch of words over and over again, hoping that God's paying attention. Don't pray with meaningless repetition, but pray with confidence, knowing that your heavenly Father is paying so much attention to what you're saying, he even knew, he was so attentive, he even knew what you were going to say before it came out of your mouth. That's pretty attentive, isn't it? Then we talked about intimacy in prayer. He were to call him our father. And I got so much feedback last week from so many of you saying, you know what, that just powerfully touched your heart to think about God as your father. Because some of you, that is a very special memory in your heart. But for many of us, we don't have a clue what a father looks like. And God's going to have to show us what that looks like, isn't he? And then finally, last time we talked about praying reverently. I think I've probably thought of this one the most the last week. We prayed, hallowed be your name. Holy is his name. God is special. Uh-uh. Uh God is most special. God is unlike, he's our father in the heavens. Holy, special, there is nobody else. When I come before God, I'm thinking, wow, man, this is a big deal. Amen? Well, today we're going to learn a few more. And the first one is this. God's word tells us that we can pray expectantly and i want to start in verse 9 kind of where we uh, were at last time and just kind of go through the prayer it says in verse 9 jesus says pray then in this way our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today, I wanted to start out in verse 10 there. Jesus says in verse 10 that we should pray, your kingdom come. And I believe Jesus is telling us when we pray, one of the things we ought to be doing is pray with expectancy. Now, in a sense, we could say, and the New Testament indicates, Jesus' kingdom has come. Or maybe a better way of putting it is, Jesus' kingdom has begun to come. In other words, God is already at work in this world. Amen? But it will have a consummation. It will have a completion when it will be fully established. So some people have said, when you're talking about the kingdom of God, what you're talking about, you're talking about something that's already, but not yet. Okay, does that make sense? 
The kingdom of God is already in this world. God is already working in this world. But there's a sense to which it's not yet fully completed and established God's rule and reign on this earth. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Let's just put it this way. Is everything on this earth happening God's way? I don't think so. Amen. We'll talk about that in the next one. Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back one day? Did you know that? In fact, it could be tonight. It could very well be tonight that he's coming back. And when he comes back, the Bible teaches that he's going to, for a thousand years, he's going to set up his rule and his reign, his kingdom on this earth. Then there's going to be a judgment time. And after that, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And Jesus is going to rule and to reign. He's going to, the Prince of Peace is going to be established clearly as the king of the universe for all of eternity in that perfect environment. Amen. Amen. I can't wait for that. So when we say your kingdom come, what we're saying is when we come to God, and I don't miss this, when I come to the Lord in prayer, what I'm saying is, Jesus, I remember. I remember that you are coming back one day and I'm looking forward to that day. Maybe it'd be good to put it this way. The Lord's prayer reminds us, friend, don't miss this. Because maybe this is a component to your prayer life that you haven't even thought about. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we should live our lives each day as if it is very possible that Jesus might be coming back that very day. I just want to ask you, is that the perspective that you have when you pray? How would that change your day today? If this morning when I got up, I thought to myself, many times I'll do that. I'll just kind of make it a practice that I'll try to remind myself. And again, when you begin utilizing the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer in your prayer life, again, we're not saying just to over and over repeat the same words, but what we're saying is that many times when you're in your time with the Lord, if you will just go back to the words of the Lord's Prayer and you will just think about these words that we're learning together, some of these principles that we're learning, God will remind you, oh yeah, I forgot. I need to be remembering Jesus might be coming back today. And if he was coming back today, what difference would that make? Specifically, what difference would it make with the way I'm going to live my life today? Well, let's just, let's just bring it down to right now. What if somebody walked in the room right now and handed me a note and I opened it up and said, Hey, guys... <laughs> I just got word that Jesus is going to be here in the next hour. He is on his way here. Is your heart starting to be a little fast? Are you starting to get a little warm? Are you starting to get a little nervous? Are you starting to think to yourself? Okay, I want you to think about it for just a minute. If we said we just got word that Jesus is going to be here in the next hour, what would you drop right now? And go do before he got here. Are you thinking? What would be so important that I would say, before I stand before my Lord, there is somebody I need to call. Amen? There is some sin in my life that I need to, I need to get right with him. I need to confess. I need to get on my knees. Hey, Pastor Robbie, I don't mean to be rude, but I got to go. If Jesus is going to be here in an hour, I've got something I need to do. Well, listen, what the Lord's Prayer reminds us is that should not happen just because we get a note that says he's going to be here in an hour because guess what? You ain't going to get that note. (laughs) It's going to be a surprise, the Bible says. 
And he says that he wants us to live our lives every day in great anticipation that today might be the day I see my Lord and I stand before him. Let me read to you out of Matthew 24, verses 42 through 47. Jesus says, therefore, in light of that, in Matthew 24, one of the best passages that talks about the second coming of Christ, he says, therefore, in light of my coming, be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Now, what he's saying there by that thief terminology is, what he's saying is, thieves never call up and say, hey, I'm coming to rob your house, right? A thief is always by what? Surprise. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's an element of surprise here. We're not going to know. He says, for this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. By the way, I'm not going to get into this whole 2012 thing. But you can just about mark it down. If everybody's saying he's coming in 2012, that's very likely when he's not coming. Okay, so, so when everybody starts doing it, what does he say? He says, you will not know when he's coming. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave or servant whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. He says, He's left us, and he goes on a little bit later in Matthew chapter 25. Many of you are familiar, maybe, with the parable of the talents, okay? In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, what Jesus is saying is, I have left you responsible for some things, primarily your soul. Have you given your life to me? And then after you've given your life to me, how did you use what I've given you? Okay, he says, who's... Who's he going to find? He says, blessed is that servant whom his master finds so doing when he comes, doing what his master left him do. He says in verse 47, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Jesus says, here's who I'm going to be pleased with. I'm going to be pleased with those servants of mine who love me so much that they were looking, all they were ready for me to come back. Now, let me give you some things that might, we might want to consider if we wanted to live differently if we were expecting Jesus' kingdom to come. First of all, I believe we'd have a more eternal perspective. As I'm walking through this life, do you ever find that you get bogged down in life? you ever find that you kind of get kind of in the nitty-gritty of all the stuff that's going on? I believe what Jesus is, would say to us is if we are keeping our eyes on the skies... That, I mean, if we are uh, expecting him to come, we're going to have our eye on the sky. We're going to be looking around us. We're going to be paying attention. Are you paying attention to world events? Okay, these are not just haphazard things that are going on. We are seeing some things be put into place that are indicating that Jesus is coming back. And not only that, we'd be looking at all those events, but we'd also be paying attention to people's lives and what's going on around us. We'd have an eternal perspective. Secondly, I believe we'd witness more. We'd serve the Lord more. Hey, listen, if Jesus is coming back in the next hour, if Jesus is coming back in the next year, if Jesus is coming back maybe today, I want to help other people get ready. How about you? I want everybody to be ready for that. He's coming again. Third thing is not only would I help other people get ready, I I need to be getting ready. Amen? I'd be living a different life if I truly expected that Jesus was coming back and it could be just any moment. No matter when he comes, I'd like for him to find me faithful to him. Amen? That I'm following him, that I'm serving him. And that kind of goes into number four. I'd be using what he gave me wisely. 
I'd want to be ready to account for the relationships God's given me. The people in my life, have I been faithful to share Christ or to be a good example or, or to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord? I don't want to think about the money that I'm using. It's His money. I don't want to be thinking about the time that I have. It's His time. I don't want to be thinking about the talents, the abilities, the resources that God has placed in my hands. And one day He's going to say, Robbie, I've entrusted a lot to you. What did you do with what I gave you? I don't want to be ready for that if I thought it was going to be any minute. Jesus tells us to pray expectantly then the next one i think is closely tied to that he tells us to pray submissively look at the second part of verse 10 he says we should pray your kingdom come and then the next thing he says is we should pray your will be done our heart jesus says should be that his will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven what does that mean well i think both what we just now learned and what we're looking at in this phrase I think both acknowledge that for the most part, things on this earth are not going the way God would do them. Amen? Isn't that true? We're praying for his kingdom to come and we're praying for his will to be done because right now, currently, the world is not operating the way God would operate it if he were in full control. If everything was going, he's obviously he's in full control, but you know what I'm saying? If his kingdom was established, if everything was working according to his will, it'd be a lot different. This particular phrase says this. Our desire, when we pray submissively, we come to him, we say, God, our desire is that your will would be done. Now, sometimes, and I think it's appropriate for us to use that as kind of a technical term. Meantime, we talk about God's will. And we kind of see that as a technical term, don't we? But actually, I like to kind of translate that a little bit differently because sometimes when I, when I see things as technical terms, they lose their meaning for me. How about you? If it's just, oh, God's will. Well, maybe we should translate it because it can be translated. God's will can be translated what God wants. Okay? It can be translated what God wishes. Okay? What God intends. Now, again, by that, don't get the false idea. What God wishes is not, he's like, oh my goodness, I wish it would go my way. Okay, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, I'm just trying to give you some different ways. Almost like if anybody got the Amplified Bible, you get a little bit of some different meanings there in your translation so you can get a little bit more nuance of what's being said. When we pray, God, we want your will to be done. We're saying, God, what you want to happen is what we desire to see happen on this earth, just like it is in heaven. And oh, by the way, what's heaven like? Shouldn't it be a great example to us? I want to go there. How about you? (laughs) Okay, what's so great about heaven? Well, it's perfect, isn't it? That's on the surface a great thing about heaven. But the best thing about heaven, the reason it is perfect is because God's there. And because everything is running according to his purposes. It's, it's his kingdom. His will is being accomplished. That would be a great example to us when we struggle with following God to trust him. Amen? Whatever he is fully over is really going pretty well. Our desire should be that it would be like that on the earth. But it's not, is it? Now here's how I think most of us, probably that are here right now, are going to respond to this initially. Because I believe most of us, if not all of us here, we're hungry, we're seeking, we're, we're interested, we're, we're wanting to learn about God. When we hear this idea of God's will being done, theoretically we all say what? Well, sure. 
Absolutely. Amen, brother. Of course. We want, that's what I want. I want God. God's working in my life, and I want what he wants to happen in my life. I want what he wants to happen in this world. It sounds good. It seems right for us to say, I want what God wants. And we all say, amen. But many times, when God begins working in our life, and he shows us what he wants, very often, we're not really excited about that, at least at first, right? Maybe even for a while. God's will, what he wants for our lives, many times is not easy for us to accept. Would you agree? Jesus in the garden in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, what did he say? He said, not my will, but yours. Speaking to the Father. Okay, and submitting in his humanity and submitting to the Father. He said, not my will, but yours. What was he talking about? What was the Father's will? It wasn't a pleasant thing, was it? What was standing in front of him, the will of the Father was going to be what? The cross. I think about Mary when she heard about that she was going to have Jesus. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, 38, she says, Lord, I am your servant. Be it unto me according to your word. And every time I hear that, uh, I hear that song or I hear the, that, the, that verse mentioned, basically it just says in my mind, she was just saying, your will be done, Father. Whatever you want, God. But what was she saying? She was saying, I'm going to be a scandal in town. Okay, This is not going to be easy, right? At least initially, this was not going to be exactly what I would have chosen. What about you? You know, many of us, we start out our relationship with God. We're open. We're interested. We begin reading the Bible, God's Word. We begin learning more about what it says. We start getting involved in church. We start seeing, listen, we start seeing that people who are following God are doing life in some different ways than we've been used to doing it. And it's not very long before we realize that the way God wants to do things is not the way I've been doing things. Amen? God's will, what he wants, what he desires for my life, is not what I've been doing. And even now, I'm not so sure I want to do. Amen? I'm just being honest. You guys going to leave me hanging? Just make me look bad? <laughs> if God began to show you that that relationship is not what I have for you, if God began to show you that the priorities that you've kind of set over the years in your life are not in the order that he wants to order them. If God begins to show you that your general approach, like all of us, we're wired to think about ourselves, aren't we? If God began to show you that, hey, that doesn't work. That's, that's not how I do things. I'm going to wire you more to think about others, not yourself from now on. If God began to show you that the way you've been spending your time, or the way you've been spending your money, or the gifts that God's given you, if God began showing you that the way you're using them are not maximizing them for His glory, if God began showing you that your marriage is only going to get better when He begins to work on you and your heart and some things that you need to deal with, 
some things you never realized and maybe you're not comfortable thinking about. If God began to show you that the career path that you've been working towards your whole life, he has some other plans. He's got something else for your life that you never planned or anticipated. See what I mean? I mean, in theory, do you want what God wants? Well, amen, Pastor Robbie. Absolutely. God's will be done. But when it starts to play out, we're not so sure. And here's the point. Your will be done can only be prayed by a person with a humble, submissive, trusting spirit. Isn't that true? And when it comes down to it, who are we going to trust? Isn't that the point? Who am I going to trust? I think, you ever hit that crossroad? I think we ought to do this. God's saying we ought to do this. I'm not sure. Amen? I'm not sure, Lord. And by the way, I want to challenge you. Some of this is a really good indicator of a true follower of Jesus. Many of us like the good stuff, right? The blessings. Oh, forgiveness. Give me lots of that. You know, the healing and all the you know, peace and joy. But when following God gets challenging, many people turn away. And we show by our fruits sometimes that we never truly gave our lives to him. We may be saying, you know what? God was a pleasant direction to go in for a while. But I, I, I don't know if I'm really, truly saying that I'm a follower of Jesus. Isn't that what salvation is? I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I, I'm not saying if. I'm not saying, okay, here's the check, but I'm going to fill it in. I'm saying I'm signing it, God. You fill it in. Amen? Are you sure... Your will be done is your prayer. Not my will, but yours. It's a big deal, isn't it? By the way, let me share something with you. I've, I've kind of approached it as more of the challenge because it is a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to trust the Lord sometimes. It's crazy to say, but it's a challenge for us for lots of different reasons. But I just want to share this with you. We approach it as a hard thing to do, but don't forget, 1 John 5, 3 says, the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome. Okay? He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. What I have for you is not going to wear you down. It's not going to be like, oh, my goodness, I signed up for the military. It's just hard and just sorry. Okay? Initially, following Jesus many times can be very challenging. And at different points along the road, we run into roadblocks where we say, oh, my goodness, Lord, I didn't know it was going to lead us here. Amen? And we struggle with that. But I just want to encourage you tonight, the safest and the best place to be in the whole wide world is right in the middle of God's will for your life. Pray expectantly. How would I be different if Jesus was coming back tonight? Pray submissively. Lord, this is hard for me to do, but I am giving over control to you. And that leads us to another thing. Pray dependently. Look at verse 11. He says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, do you remember uh, a little bit earlier, it was like a week or two ago, I said that when 
uh, when we look at the Lord's Prayer, or when we look at prayer in general, our first focus should be on who? It should be on God first, right? Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about our needs because He clearly says in His Word, He cares for us. But first of all, we should start out by focusing on Him, acknowledging Him, uh, praising Him, worshiping Him, coming into His presence, thanking Him for what He's done in our life. And, and that doesn't mean we can't have a 911 prayer, okay? That doesn't mean you, that every time you come to the Lord, you've got to spend 10 minutes, you know, saying, I love you, Lord, and I thank you for this, and, and then finally get to my need. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you're about to be in a car accident, then I would say, God, help me. <laughs> Amen? Please help me, Lord. Nehemiah did that in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. He's standing in front of the king, and he says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then he went about it and kept talking. Okay? So 911 prayer, sure, but what we're saying is, in general, this is a good pattern to have in mind. We come to the Lord, we worship Him, then we bring the request. That's exactly what we say in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? We started by focusing on Him. Now in verse 11, we're transitioning to now... Now that we've spent some time focusing on Him, now we can begin transitioning to, okay, here's what's going on in my life, God. Now, I do want to say something else before we move on past this, though. Some people have gotten so heavy on the I'm not the focus side, which is true. I'm not the focus, right? Some have gotten so heavy on that side that they actually take it as I'm not important which is not true. Let me tell you what I mean by that. People many times will tell me, over the years, many people have told me, oh, Pastor Robbie, I could never pray for myself about anything. I can't imagine with all the things that God has going on (laughs) that he could possibly need to worry about me and my little concerns. That's not true. The Bible says in Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. What does it say? Cast your burden upon the Lord. God wants you. Bring your cares to him. First Peter talks about it. Bring your cares to him. So we know that's not true. God wants us to bring these requests to him. So look at what Jesus says here. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Or we could translate it another way. Give us today what we need for this day. When we pray like that, We're reminding ourselves that we are totally dependent on God even for the most basic needs that we have in our life on a daily basis. What we're saying is, now listen, friend, this is is something I don't think that many of us as Americans now, because of the situation with our economy and the challenge financially that many of us face right now, maybe we're closer to this. But for the most part, Americans don't know how to trust and depend on God on a daily basis. We're all set, usually, right? When we pray like this, we're realizing, without God, I will not survive one more day. That's what we're saying. Now, somebody says, well, that sounds good, Pastor Robbie, but that's not true. I I don't follow God, and I'm making it. Friend, you may not be acknowledging it, You may not realize it or recognize it as true, but it is true. Without God, you won't make it. John 15, 5 says, Without Him, I can do nothing. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says that it is in Him that we live and move and even have our very existence. Wow. Amen? 
If God didn't think it was a good idea, I wouldn't have a heartbeat right now. If God was through with his purpose through my life, I wouldn't, these lungs wouldn't be working. Amen? I mentioned it last week. If God, if God wasn't keeping this earth at the perfect place from the sun, we'd either freeze up or we'd burn up in one direction or the other. Without God, <laughs> you ain't doing much. Amen? Even if we don't recognize it. You know, understanding this daily aspect of trusting God for even the most basic needs. That really had never been real in my life until something happened when I was in seminary. When I was in seminary, I remember Shannon and I, if, in case you don't know seminary students, you know, they're not like rich or anything, all right? And just like any college students or anybody going through school. And so Shannon and I, you know, praise the Lord, God had provided for us. We had managed to do okay. But we did get to a point once in seminary that for the first time in my life, I honestly did not know where the next food was going to come from. That was, that was, that's a tough thing. If anybody's ever gone through that before. Maybe somebody even is here tonight. And I remember Shannon and I getting together and I was just like, Lord, wow. Wow. I mean, that's a terrible feeling. I don't know where the next meal is going to come from. We prayed about it and we said, Lord, we're seeking to follow you, trusting you. Okay, Lord, you are paying attention, aren't you? Like, we need to eat. We're trusting you to provide. I kid you not, a young couple named Alex and Dawn Mays knocked on our door. They were in our young married couples class at our church. They said, hey, guys, we, we hadn't wanted to tell everybody because we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not, but... We did find out we got that transfer. We're moving to Ohio. We got a freezer full of food. We got it in our car. We wonder if you guys could use it. That is amazing, isn't it? And I am not kidding you. For six months, every time I would go to that freezer, it had not moved. I said, Shannon, are we eating any of this stuff? It is still there. You know, it's like that Old Testament story of the, of the lady, you know, with the, with the, you know, the flour meal or the cornmeal or whatever it was. But it just, you know, God just continued to multiply it and replenish it. It's amazing. And God just began to teach me that on a daily basis, even though I'd never realized it before, on a daily basis, I'm completely dependent on him for every need of my life. God began to teach me and I really began to pray. Give us today. I like saying it that way. How about you? Give us today. Because I don't know about you, but I've learned the Lord's prayers. Give us this day. So I can kind of say it fast and not think about it. So by changing that word, it helps me. I mean, it's the same translation. Give us today our daily bread. What we need to live for today. I want to ask you, are you that dependent on God? And by the way, you don't have to be poor to be God honoring. It doesn't mean you can't plan ahead and all this kind of thing. We could talk about that in a different message. But I do want to say this. I want to challenge you with this. I'd rather be living pretty close to the minimum of what I need and using as much of the rest for God's kingdom and trusting God that if I shot too low, if I got too close, that he would take care of me. Rather than to make sure I'm covered and then use the rest for God and others. Is that how we think? 
Now, we usually think, let me make sure I'm covered. And then if there's anything else left, I'll try to help other people. We need to change our mindset, I believe. I don't even think we meant to, but are we trusting God? Are we depending upon Him? Are we trusting Him day by day? And you know what? Many of us right now, this may be exactly what you need to hear. Because of this economy, because you've lost your job, you might even be meal to meal right now. You know what, friend? I don't want to make light of that. I don't want it to sound like it's easy because it's hard. It's challenging. But I do want to tell you, don't totally bow up against that because you might learn some lessons about how great is our God that you would not have learned any other way. You know, I don't know about you, I fight struggle and difficulty. And trust me, I ain't asking for any extra, okay? (laughs) But let me just ask you, how would we ever see God provide if we're all, always, all set. Don't we need to get in a position where nobody, no, there's no other answer. There's no other way. You can't explain it. I can't figure it out. I can't make it up. God, if you don't come through, it is not going to happen. Don't we have to be in that position sometimes just for God to be able to say, look here, I provided for you. Jesus didn't say, give me my basic needs yesterday. Because it's over. He didn't say, take care of tomorrow's daily bread. Because it might not ever come. He says, give me what I need for this day. You know, we started out tonight by emphasizing the importance of prayer. I mentioned that statement by Ian Bounds. And I got to be honest with you. As I was reading those words, preparing for this message, the Lord spoke to my heart. And I want to ask you to pray for me. God's speaking to me about prayer. I felt like the Lord just said to me, Robbie, you know what? You started out your walk with me early in your life and I've been able to work through you. But prayer has not been the priority. I want it to be in your life of ministry. If it's my will, you could have many more years left of serving me on this earth. And if you do, you could continue like you are and you could wish at the end that you sought me more. Or you can start now and potentially have many more years of ministry They will have a much larger impact because they were characterized by a deep commitment to prayer. I'm just kind of sharing a little bit of what God said to my heart. Okay, buddy. Are you serious about seeking me? God's speaking to my my heart. How about you? Is God teaching you? you? Are you letting him work in your heart Maybe in a way like you never have before. Maybe you've heard the Lord's Prayer a thousand times. Probably most of us, if we're Americans, we probably have heard this in some form or fashion throughout our life. And there is a danger of just kind of in one ear and out the other. Are you calling a time out and saying, God, you have my attention. What are you trying to say to your servant? Be it unto me, like Mary said, according to your word. I wonder today, Is there somebody here that you would say, you know what, Robbie, you're talking about God, you're talking about a relationship with him, and I don't have that. You know what? Tonight, you can. Tonight, you can leave this place knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that you yourself, not your mom, not your pastor, not your growth group leader, not the person sitting next to you, not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, you can know without a doubt that your sins have been forgiven and that Jesus Christ would come set up his rule and reign in your heart and that God would accept you as his child, invite you to be a part of his work in this world and one day give you the promise that you are going to a place called heaven. And you know how it starts? It starts with a prayer. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just confess. We say, God, I admit it. I am a sinner. I cannot do it without you. And I I trust in you. I believe what you did on the cross was for me. I accept that gift. I invite you to come into my life to wash away my sins and be my Savior. You know what? Next week, we're going to have five, six, seven people that are going to publicly declare their faith in Christ by being baptized. Found out today through our discovery class, we may have four or five more. Praise the Lord, every week people are giving their life to Jesus. Maybe tonight God would just be speaking to your heart. Let's pray together as we close out tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for challenging my heart about prayer. And I don't know exactly what you're saying to me. I don't know exactly what you're wanting to do. But I just want you to know I'm listening. And I pray for every person in this room, Lord, tonight. I pray that we would just be attentive. Like me or he was. Lord, Lord, just whatever it is, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Whatever you say, God, if you'll just show me, if you'll just speak to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond. I'm going to follow you. I want your will to be done in my life, God. I want your kingdom to come. I'm expecting you to come back. I'm getting ready for that. I'm helping other people get ready. And on a daily basis, God, just remind me through my prayer time to to remember that. Lord, for all of us, I'm sure we've fallen into the trap of thinking somehow that the food on the table, the roof over our heads, or somehow the world spinning was in some way dependent on us. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. And I pray that tonight, instead of trying to do it all ourselves, that we would just get on our knees and say, Jesus, forgive me. Help me to realize how dependent I am upon you. Lord, whatever you want to do in our hearts, in our lives right now, we make ourselves available to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Jeff's going to lead us in a song of invitation. If you're new to New Hope, just to let you know what we do at the end of the service, you've heard a lot. And I praise the Lord, you've been responding. I've seen that response. You're paying attention, you're listening, you've been processing. But we like to have a time of reflection, of thought, of decision even, at the end of our service where, okay, God spoke. So what? Tonight, what is God saying to you about your prayer life? Is it non-existent? Is God saying to you, I'm calling you to a quiet place? Maybe tonight, you just need to make a commitment. Lord, starting tomorrow, I'm going to find a place in my house. We're just going to start with a couple minutes, five minutes or whatever. God, I just just want to begin to spend time with you every day. Even tonight, maybe you would start that. Whatever it is. Maybe you've been a Christian. You've been living your life. You think about the Lord, but you haven't been living in light of Him coming just any moment now. And God's speaking to your heart about some sin in your life. You've been putting it off. You can't wait till next week because he might be coming back tonight. 
whatever it is tonight, or if you've accepted Christ, or you need to accept Christ, or any other decision, I want to offer you tonight the opportunity to talk with somebody. That's what I'm available for. I won't tell everybody your business. We won't announce anything unless you want it to be shared. But tonight, we want to give you that opportunity to pray with someone. It's a privilege for us to intercede for one another, isn't it? Sometimes we don't know what to pray, and others can pray for us, and I'll be glad to do that tonight.